1: Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcast.g-o-mi-n-n-o.com.
0: Shauna Nequist is the New York Times bestselling author of Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, Bread and Wine, Savor, and Present Over Perfect. Her newest book, I guess I haven't learned that yet, just hit the New York Times bestseller list this month. Shauna is a bookworm, a beach bum, and a passionate gatherer of people, especially around the table. She's married to Erin, and they live in New York City with their sons, Henry and Mac. Shauna, we are so honored and delighted to get to talk to you today and so excited that this is the day. Is today the announcement of the New York Times bestseller list?
3: It is. Yes. We found out yesterday afternoon. Wow.
0: Congratulations. uh,
3: congratulations. Thank you. What does that feel like? You know, it doesn't change everything, but it sort of changes (laughs) everything. (laughs) But also I still just like went out for pizza last night and, you know, so it's an amazing accomplishment that I'm just an honor and I'm so excited about it. And then also, you know, still me, still in my messy apartment doing normal stuff, (laughs)
0: like all things. (laughs) Well, we are so excited because we have all been reading your book and have loved it and have loved so many of your books. Grateful for the truth you have shared with the world for so many years. And our podcast is a parenting podcast, but also a humaning podcast out of that. But there was a passage that I read in particular that I felt like feels so true about parenting as well. And it's in the introduction. And you're talking about the myth of control, which I think every human on the planet, but especially parents. I think it can be tricky. So you say, control and independence have been exposed at this point for the mirages that they are. Pipe dreams, vestiges of another world. So what do we do? We pay attention. We accept the world as it is, not as we wish it was. We accept kids we love as they are, not as we wish they were. We practice, we build rhythms of health and faith and grounding Ways of living that allow our best selves and their best selves to emerge and our worst selves to recede as often as possible. I love that so much. We help each other and we discipline ourselves to stay on the lookout for signs of hope, for sacred moments, and divine fingerprints, even in a desolate and quiet landscape, especially in this desolate and quiet landscape. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you when I read that, I thought, gosh, that feels so much like the season that parents are in as well at this point. Oh, absolutely.
1: And Shauna, we love the title and would love to even start there. Will you tell us about the phrase, I guess, I haven't learned that yet, and why it was so important to your family after moving to Manhattan?
3: Sure. Two things about parenting. Number one, at least for me, I'm mostly making it up all the time. And number (laughs) two. Most of the things I do as a parent end up being equally beneficial or more beneficial for me in my own life. And that definitely happened. Mm-hmm. It, both of those things happened in this instance. So we moved from the suburbs of Chicago to Manhattan. Our boys were seven and 12. It was very much a decision that we had involved them in. They knew we were moving somewhere. We had visited several places together. This place specifically worked for all four of us for all different reasons. We we're very excited about it. And also moving is hard yes. for anybody. And the learning curve is so high and the amount of things you don't know. And for us, it's a major lifestyle change. You know, all like we're used to having a car and a school bus and grandparents and I mean, a washer and dryer. There were so many things <laughs> that were different about our life here. And our kids, you know, started school, our little guy started first grade when we moved. And then when we got here in November, the cutoffs were different. So they put him in second grade, we were like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> um, and then we started our older guy in sixth grade at a different school down in the West Village it was about a mile away. And so different kinds of schools, different ways of organizing kids, different ways of getting to and from school, different philosophies of education. My older guy was at a very progressive, brand new middle school where all of the teachers and administration went by their first names,
0: Wow!
3: like a non-hierarchical, non-traditional. And there were so many great things about it. But our kids every day were like, they'd come home, their eyes just like, the amount of new things they were trying to hold in their brains was just like all and so you know they had all these questions why do we do this instead of this how do I figure out this how do I figure out this and then their questions started changing and they stopped mm. being how do I do this and they started being am I doing it wrong what if I fall behind what if I make too many mistakes am I dumb mm. and when I started hearing those questions I realized wait a minute We need a different perspective on what we're all experiencing now. And so I wrote that phrase, I guess I haven't learned that yet,
0: Wow! with
3: a Sharpie on a white piece of printer paper, and I put it on our wall in our like totally blank living room with blue painter's tape, and I said, every single one of us, all four of us are going to say this phrase every single day, and we're going to report back to each other. In which situation today did you have an opportunity to say... I guess I haven't learned that yet because you're not dumb, you're not falling behind, you're not making too many mistakes, you're new. And this is what it means to be new. This is what it means to be a beginner. And so it gave our family some shared language, but also it really gave me a very freeing and life-giving perspective on All the different things that were changing in my life, and it gave me the freedom to make mistakes, to ask for help, to ask questions, to not get it right on the first try, to change my mind, to walk away from some things. When I started looking at myself as a learner, and I started walking through life with a spirit of curiosity, I found so much freedom on the other side of that.
0: That is amazing. We work with so many kids who are dealing with anxiety and a lot of perfectionism and that is one of the hardest things. They don't do anything unless they can do it well from the outset. And so leaning into that and helping kids learn that feels so important. And as a side note, I worked with a family that they moved here from Manhattan Mm -hmm. to Nashville, and it was so interesting, the shift that was so difficult because the degree of independence that these kids felt in Manhattan was so empowering for them that I think just... For you, for your boys, like what a gift that they're getting to learn, not only because that's the mindset that you're incorporating into the life of your family, but they're in this place where there's so much new and so much that they can do on their own. That's That's such a gift for them long-term. Yeah.
2: So move to Nashville and you can write a whole other book,
0: okay? I do love Nashville. That speaks to a lot of your learning mindset. That's kind of where we were curious is how it's impacted you as a mom since y'all even decided that. Like how has it shifted things in your family? Have you seen your boys shifting? Well, one
3: of my mom friends, her son is a year older than mine and she's one of the best moms I know and I'm always watching her and I'm always learning from her. And one of the things she says when anyone asks her like about parenting is she says, I don't know anything at all about parenting except... I know everything there is to know about this boy and this girl Mm. up until the exact age that they are right now and nothing else,
2: right? (laughs) That's great.
3: You know, she's like, I have a 16-year-old. I don't know anything about having a 17-year-old. That's it. My knowledge leaves off at his exact age right now, but I'm an expert on him. Mm. And I think that perspective has been so helpful for me all the way through to just say, There are a million things about parenting we haven't encountered yet, but I'm paying close attention to what these boys need right now and what they're telling me about their lives. And one of my greatest parenting perspectives is letting them tell me how it is to be them. My husband is a good question asker. And one of his best questions he always says is, what's it like to be you right now? Mm -hmm. And I think our kids have a lot to teach us if we're willing to listen. They can help us know what they need and what they're experiencing. But a lot of it just comes down to being a good listener.
2: Yes. You've been very honest about tough seasons that you have been through. And what are some practical ways you've learned to take care
3: of yourself? Well, I promise I'm not just saying this because I'm speaking to a bunch of therapists, but (laughs) (laughs) a good therapist has saved me in multiple Mm -hmm. different seasons in my life. And I think it's one of those things that we try to approximate lots of times, like, oh, but I just like talk to my mom all the time. Or, you know, you hear people say like running is my therapy or wine is my therapy. And I always say, um... Therapy is my therapy, right? <laughs> like it's a specific thing that yields specific healing and wisdom in our lives. And to try to fill it in, like running is great, and wine is sometimes great, and talking to your mom is great. <laughs> but it's a specific skill set that can be applied to your life in a really important way. And it's a specific way of being cared for and being kind of ushered through the darkness, especially. And I also always tell people, if everything's going great in your life, now's the time to get a therapist so that when everything falls apart, you're not like, hi, my name is, let me run you through this right now. If you have that existing connection, it's a lot easier to show up again with a little bit of that bridge already built. So I would say therapy has been a major part of my own health and healing. Also, I'm a walker, Walking has been one of the most healing and perspective-bringing activities in my life. I walk a lot alone. I also walk with a couple good friends. And that process is one of the most restorative practices. And then the other thing I would say is writing. Mm. You figure out things you don't even know about yourself and about your insides when you sit silently with a pen and paper. For me, I learned so much by being a writer.
2: Love that. Mm. Mm.
1: John, one of my favorite chapters I've read so far is your essay on parenting ourselves. And I love at the beginning of that how you compare boys to St. Bernard puppies that need to be run <laughs> a lot, and I could not agree with that anymore, and how much snacks solve a multitude of problems when it comes to parenting and boys in particular. But I love this passage in that chapter. You say that everyone I know has felt the complexity of our world in a thousand different ways recently. Many things have been broken, and one of the greatest gifts we can offer one another is a commitment to caring for ourselves with the same intention and tenderness we use when we care for our kids. I loved that language. And you write that some of the greatest gifts you've been given in recent years are curiosity and self-compassion. We talk so much about those with parents. Mm. How would you say that specifically has affected your parenting?
3: There's so much about parenting that it's easy to think being a parent means being an expert. It means being the authority. It means knowing what's happening. (laughs) And. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on someone who just happened to have a kid, right? Like, you don't become an (laughs) expert just because one time you had a baby. (laughs) But we think, if only I had done this, if only I knew this, if only I had done that better. It's so easy to get into that mental loop, especially if you're watching your kids struggle and you feel sort of at an impasse for what to do. I think part of self-compassion, there are several different aspects to it, but some of it is forgiving yourself for what you don't yet know Mm. and letting yourself be a wonderful and terrible human (laughs) alternately, sometimes even in the same day or the same hour. But then another part of self-compassion for me is being willing to ask for help. There are experts, but I'm not one of them. Mm. I ask my mom friends and my dad friends absolutely everything. How do you do this? How did you do this? How did you figure this out? Did you ever have a kid who did this? Have you ever heard of a scenario like this? It has been so helpful for me to ask questions of other parents and to learn from them and to create space for either things they wish they would have done differently or things they like totally nailed. There's no reason to believe I should have all the information for all these situations. And so asking for help feels like a real act of self-compassion. It's letting yourself not know everything, but trusting that it is knowable
1: somewhere out there.
0: Mm. Yes, me too. So excited for folks to hear this and the hope and grace you're sharing.
1: We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. A new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders, so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcast.gominno.com to start your free trial.
0: Shout out to Clareton for supporting this episode and providing us with samples.
1: Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee.
0: Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief.
1: Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D.
0: This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available
1: so you can live Claritin clear.
0: Use as directed. Okay, one of the things you write about is that one of your goals as a person is to be easily delighted. And we have talked for a long time about the importance of parents delighting in kids and that even that kids who are delighted in feel more delightful as people. And so how would you say... Parents can do this. Like, what are some practical ways you feel like parents can lean into that space?
3: Well, I think parenting is like anything else in that it's so connected to what's happening in the rest of your life.
0: Mm.
3: If you are not tending to yourself in all the other meaningful areas of your life, you're not going to bring your best to your parenting life.
0: Mm.
3: I'm a better parent when I'm a better human, when I'm better rested, when I'm more connected to my partner, when I'm connected to my friends, when I'm walking a lot, when I'm doing good creative work. It all works together. And so I think It helps me to think about being the best possible human in order to be the best possible parent to my kids. And for me, I'm easily delighted when I've tended well to myself. It doesn't take a lot to make me happy when I'm doing the things that I know keep me grounded Mm -hmm. and sort of in my best space. So that's my responsibility. One of the things I talk about a lot as a writer is that inspiration is my responsibility, not like a lightning strike that I'm waiting around for. And I would say that way of grounded, connected living, that's my responsibility. I'm not waiting for someone to do that for me. I will also say, I'm just thinking of it because I'm looking out my window. My little guy, my 10-year-old, loves to dance. And every day he comes home from school and he comes around the corner of the courtyard. And he stops at the tree. And I'm looking at him (laughs) from my desk, three floors up. And he stops at the tree. And he waits for me to see him. And he dances. (laughs) And I stand up. And I dance back, (laughs) and then he dances, and I dance, and I feel like, I don't know how old you have to be to grow out of that, Mm. and I don't know how long we'll live here, but all my life I will remember dancing together from the window down to the courtyard. That kid just delights me Mm. every chance he gets, and I will hold that memory just absolutely forever.
0: That is beautiful. What a visual. I know. I can see right now. Uh Okay, well, I'm going to jump in and ask one more question pertaining to that. Because I have heard you on, maybe it was Suzanne Stabile's podcast. I know you're a seven. Mm -hmm. And so Melissa is a six. So she can tap into the sevenness a little bit easier. Dave and I are both ones. And so... We always are wanting to channel more seven. So for anyone who are listening that it doesn't come naturally, are there some more ways that you would say just the idea of delight? I mean, I love that sense of inspiration is ours to pursue. Okay. So one of my best friends is a
3: one. Okay. And you can tell me if this feels helpful or not. You might be like, no, that's garbage. You're a seven. You don't know how to do this. (laughs) So many years ago, a friend of mine, he's like a business coach, and I was helping him with a project. And one of the things he did is he said, I want you to structure your day He said, there's the to-do list that's the tasks, but there's a different to-do list that comes ahead of that. And it's the answer to this question, what would I regret if I didn't do this day? Mm. If I didn't do this, I'd be living outside of my values. Wow. So instead of saying, I need to get this task done, this email sent, you know, I have to go to this meeting. For him, it was he needs to get outside every day. He needs to connect with his wife and he needs to spend some time with his dog. Mm-hmm. Those were the three things where if he didn't do them, he was living outside of his values. Mm-hmm. And for me, a meaningful connection. With all three of the people who live in my house with me, my husband and our two boys, that's something that aligns with my values. It's not my to-do list. It's bigger than that. It's who I am in the world. And if I don't connect in a meaningful way with each of my boys and with my husband, I haven't lived according to my most deeply held values. So this is where the one part comes in. (laughs) Let's say it's 7.30 in the evening. The boys should start kind of winding down toward bed in our house around 8.30 it's 7.30. I could do the dishes, which would make me feel better about having a clean kitchen. I could do six more emails, which would make me feel better about my job. Or I could decide it's snuggle snack and read time. Mm. I could ask my little guy to light all the candles and my big guy to pull out all the blankets. And I could make a mountain of either peanut butter and jelly or raisin toast with lots of butter. Mm. And for an hour— all four of us will snuggle up in our pajamas with all the candles lit and we'll each read our own books, We'll read our books and eat our toast and sometimes have hot chocolate. And I know that when I go to bed that night, I will feel like I have lived more closely to my values having done that than if the kitchen's clean or the emails are done.
0: Ooh, that's so good. Incredible. That's such a great reminder. Love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yes.
2: Well, what you're talking about, I think, leads into this next question. You obviously have a gift of hospitality. How do you incorporate that gift into your parenting?
3: Hmm, that's a great question. I think a lot of parents, maybe not all parents, but Erin and I definitely feel like we want to be the kind of parents where the kids want to be at our house. If the kids are all hanging out somewhere, we just love for it to be our house. And so we work pretty hard to make it a place that they want to be. And what's interesting is that shifts over time. I'm sure you guys have already experienced this maybe, but when the kids are little and they're coming over, you're basically like the circus ringleader, right? You're like one (laughs) step from a clown when you're having little kids over. But then there's this point where The cool thing to do is not really be around. And I actually was just texting a friend recently. So her son came over to watch a movie at our house. And she was like, hey, my son had such a great time. He also said your snack game was on point. And I was like, (laughs) really? (laughs) I think it was just like popcorn and candy. But I realized if you have teenagers, what they do not want is like sliced apples and strawberries, (laughs) right? Because that says like someone's momming you, right? Someone's like, (laughs) you're like a little kid who eats apple slices. So my new teenage hospitality is I only make them eat fruits and vegetables when their cool friends aren't around, just like in our normal life. (laughs) (laughs) And when it's cool teenage movie time, they can have like popcorn and candy. But I think all that is, is paying attention. Hospitality yes. is paying attention. Mm-hmm. I love that. It. It's noticing. I could tell you right now, all of our neighbors, we spend a lot of time together. We're in and out of each other's apartments. When I'm putting together a meal or even just like a happy hour, I know what on that tray Kendi's going to be like, I love that cheese. Mm-hmm. I know that Kate loves olives. I know that David loves anything with tomatoes and like crusty bread. Mm-hmm. So we do that with our kids as well. I know that they like to feel Like their mom isn't in the other room putting like peanut butter and celery and raisins on their thing. That makes them feel like a baby. Not that I do that anywhere, But hospitality is just giving your best energy to noticing what's true about the people right in front of you and holding space for them. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do with our kids. But it's also what we do with the people we love in and out of our
2: homes all the time. Mm. I feel like I need to run home and go check in with my neighbors. <laughs> you are so inspiring. <laughs> oh, Thank you.
1: Yes. Shauna, this season of our podcast is called Modern Parents, Vintage Values, based on a great book that Melissa and Sissy wrote. And we'd love to just ask you, what are some things you think are harder about being a parent in today's world?
3: Well, I'm sure everybody says this, but technology is an unknown Mm. for all of us. We're all just learning it together. And that's probably the conversation that I have most often with my parent friends. Mm. What are you allowing? What are you not allowing? What's working? What's been tricky? Which different apps? Which devices? All of that. It's changing so fast. So that's a real challenge. But I would imagine almost everything else is like, Kids are still kids and parents are still parents. The technology side of things is really different. I think one thing that's different for us right now is we did live in really close proximity to all four grandparents and to most of our extended family. And now we don't. So it changes the way we look at our calendar. Mostly for our kids, we really want them to know their grandparents well. We want them to know their extended family, their aunts and uncles and cousins well. And so just functionally, we spend a lot of, our time outside of work time and school time making sure those relationships are still strong and i think that's increasingly true for people who aren't aren't growing up in the same town as their extended family yes and that's something we've had to learn the last couple years is how important that is and how we really want to invest in those relationships
2: Is there something that you'd like to bring back from when you were growing up that's different? Well, one of
3: the best things about my childhood is I traveled really extensively, starting when I was pretty young, and I traveled a lot internationally with my parents, and I'm really, really grateful for that. Mm. My parents just raised me to believe that you can ask people for help and that there are good people everywhere around the world Mm. and that you can probably figure it out if you need to. And that sense of the world being largely good and people being largely helpful and me being reasonably competent, to grow up with those things, I'm really grateful for that. And so that's really important to me with our kids, that they see how big and beautiful the world is and that not everybody grows up the way they do. There's a million different right ways to do it. I really appreciated that. And I want to instill that in my kids as well.
0: Okay, well, if we're thinking about back in the day, just a fun question. What is something you loved when you were growing up? It could have been your favorite show, your favorite band, I mean, anything. What is something you loved?
3: Well, the first thing that pops into my mind for whatever reason is I absolutely loved The Little House on the Prairie books,
0: the whole set.
3: I had the yellow box set, and I was just a little bookworm, and I still am. And I have reread those so many times. I loved those.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Well, we like to end with something fun, and we are great lovers of food and tacos in particular. And it's so fun to ask you this question as someone who has all the gifts that you have in the space. But if we were to have the privilege of sharing a taco with you, if you were going to prepare it or purchase it somewhere, what would your favorite taco be?
3: I mean, I don't know if a bad taco is even a thing that exists.
1: So (laughs) all the tacos, I'm actually going—
3: I'm going to a new taco place tonight. I'm very excited about that. So I can report back with more specifics. But (laughs) I would say I love to make tacos, especially because I love how customizable they are. My husband eats gluten-free. We have a handful of friends who are either dairy-free or vegan or vegetarian. And I feel like a good tacos, guacamole, chips, salsa, dinner. You can kind of get everyone and people can eat just a little bit or like a ton. So I'm a big fan of like the make your own taco bar. Yes. We do that a lot at home. And my go-to recipe right now, I don't know if you're familiar with a food writer. Her name is Pinch of Yum. No, but we can connect her in the show notes. She's amazing. She's one of my favorite food writers. Wow, her recipes huh. are just Always delicious. And if I can't figure out what to make for a given evening, I'm like, I bet she has something to tell me. And she always does. (laughs) And she has a chicken tinga recipe that is the perfect. It's got that like smoky, spicy, but not too spicy. It's very easy to make. So you can make it for kids. You can make a whole bunch of it. It freezes really well on any given day. If someone's like, we're having people over for dinner, one of the first things that will run through my mind is, I will make Lindsay's Pinch of Yum's Chicken Tinga Tacos. They're delicious.
0: Wow. Oh, my mouth is
3: watering. I know.
0: (laughs) So glad to know that. Well, Shauna, we have talked so much, the three of us, about how in the last couple of years, we have never, ever seen parents as hopeless as parents feel. You know, just as many parents sit in our offices in tears and frustrated both. And for you to be... Who you are in this world and to bring the truth that you share to this book and to our podcast. I mean, we just could not be any more grateful for your voice. And I really did. I kept thinking every word you're saying, there's so much grace and so much hope, which is what we want our parents to hear. So thank you. Thank you for the reminders.
1: And yes. thank you
2: for
0: sharing all
3: that
1: thank with
0: us. So
2: much. Grateful for you. Oh,
3: my goodness. It's been a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you. Well, us too. We
0: hope we get to meet you in person one
2: day. Yes. Yes.
3: I would love that. Thank you.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com.